Well, good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning study. Uh, I, you notice a different uh, background. I'm at home in my study out of an abundance of caution. We want to make sure that everyone stays safe. Next week, I, Lord willing, I'll be back in the sanctuary making the broadcast. But we have decided uh, to make sure that we keep everyone safe, that we're going to go online for a few weeks. And I've noticed several of our uh, sister churches around the area, they have uh, joined in with us going online or not having services because we are really getting hit hard in this time. And I just want to take a moment before I get into our Bible study, and I want to say uh, one thing quickly, if I may. Um, there's a lot of uh, different preachers online, and they're really, I think, going over overboard on this corona thing and, um, and really, I think, being ugly as Christians. We have to ask ourselves, what would Christ do? And church, listen to me. Whether you are for masks or not masks, or whether you think it's real or not real, I can tell you it's very real. And I'm dealing with families who are uh, literally losing a loved one. And uh, it may not be anything to you, but to them, it's very severe. So uh, I would ask you, first of all, rather than uh, going off and, and uh, railing against churches and preachers for doing what they can, uh, I, I, would, I would caution you. I'd ask you, first of all, pray. Pray for these people that are suffering. It's very real, and uh, there are many people suffering with this. And so I would ask you to be cautious of that. Be Christ-like. I believe Jesus would want us to do exactly what we're doing, and uh, we're going to always seek to please Him, not some uh, Internet preacher who thinks he's something that's trying to garner a following by uh, an in-your-face kind of style and I will never do this, never do that kind of attitude and calling other churches and pastors cowards. We're not going to get involved in that stuff. We're going to be just like Jesus and do what we think Jesus wants us to do. So I thank you for tuning in. I don't want to belabor that. I've got an exciting message for you. I want to tell you our, um, our prayer requests, we put them on the page just before this post. Also, we put... Uh, some announcements. We're going to be online only uh, for a while. We don't know how long. We'll just take it week by week and see what's going on. Uh, secondly, we've put a link there with our address and also our giving link so that if you want to uh, give, uh, you, you can give and do so, and we appreciate it. Um, I want to thank you for praying for my eye. I mean, as you well know, uh, Wednesday afternoon I was um, working with my sons trying to show him how to properly shoot a uh, a slingshot, and obviously I wasn't properly shooting it, uh, but at any rate, I was pulling it back. I was up here looking down, and it actually broke, and the frame came back and hit me in the eye. Um, I had to go to the eye doctor and had a little bleeding on the eye and everything. I got a little shiner. The glasses hide it. You can't really hardly tell it, but um, I'm doing great. I got to go back Monday and um, make sure that everything's good. Uh, I feel great. And I'm trying to do what I'm not allowed to do anything strenuous. And uh, that doctor doesn't know me very well. But at any rate, I, I thank you for your prayers. And I'm ready to move on. And uh, I'm excited about the message today. Daniel chapter 10, if you'll grab your Bible. Like I said, the prayer requests, they're on our page. Uh, you can go there and you can see them. And uh, Daniel chapter number 10. And we'll be in verse number 1. And uh, let's just... Pause for a moment and go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll be in this study. I am so pumped about this study. This is amazing. And I ask you, if you can, if you will, 
get your Bible, sit down, uh, remove all the distractions, because what I'm going to show you, J. Vernon McGee said is an eerie passage. And I want to. I need you to pay close attention because we're going to go through a lot of this and you're going to see something that will blow your mind. But it's actually biblical, it's true, and I haven't heard a lot of preachers preach about it. But I'm going to take you to the Word of God and we're going to see about the reality of spiritual warfare. And I tell you, church, this is something that we need to take note of and it's something that is valid, it's very apropos to today. And it will change your life if you give it a chance. So grab your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 10, and let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. And we ask you, Holy Spirit of God, that you would just move in our midst. Lord, we need you. I pray, first of all, for those prayer requests that we posted earlier. Lord, you know each need, each one that has what they need. And Father, you can give it to them. So we come to you and we ask you to meet their needs. Lord, we pray for this pandemic. We pray for all those who are affected by it. We ask you, Lord, to work in them and through them and help them, God. Lord, I do pray right now for uh, Mike Lewis, and I, I know that, Lord, that he's struggling to hold on, but God, I pray that you would intervene and your will be done. Pray for that precious family, that you would be with them and strengthen them and get them through this, this time. Lord, I do pray for this study this morning. God, I know that you have, uh, you have brought us to this place. You've given us your word and you uh, are allowing us to study your word. I pray, Father, that you would move in our midst. Help me to communicate the word. May it be clear. May you be honored. Lord, I want you to see, I want, I want people to see you and your glory. Again, I ask you for your help. I cannot do this without you. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. Daniel chapter number 10. And while you're turning there, let me just give you a few introductory comments. You know, Christianity is not a fairy tale utopia that some imagine it to be. Now, let me preface that. It is an all-out war. And I will tell you this. I would rather be a Christian, uh, and, and I say this, the worst day in Christianity is better than the best day in the world. And I love Christianity. But for some reason, we've got this uh, fairy tale utopia that if we uh, believe in Jesus, that everything is going to be fine. We're not going to have struggles. We're not going to have difficulties. And the Bible doesn't teach that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Yea, and all those that live godly shall suffer persecution. There's a promise that we all, at one point or another, will suffer persecution. And what many Christians don't know is there is an unseen war going on. It's a real war. And sometimes it's hard to comprehend. Dr. J. Vernon McGee said of this chapter that we're going to study, this is an eerie passage. And he also says it's one of the most important passages of the book of Daniel. Now the last three chapters, chapter 10, 11, and 12 of Daniel, uh, belong together. We have, there should really be no chapter divisions in there. For clarity and for time's sake, we're going to divide it up into three sections using those chapters the first one today is the Unseen War, Daniel chapter 10. The next one will be next week, the pre-written history of the kings of the north and the south. And then the third one, the last one, will be the time of the end. Now, as I said earlier, this is one of the most mysterious chapters in all the Bible. What Daniel does is he pulls back the curtain and he gives us a peek at a serious satanic war that is real. 
Now, now I know that the context of this passage, and some might say, well, you know, what does this have to do with me? This Old uh, Testament book, Daniel, this writing, what does this have to do with me? If you'll hang tight with me so as I work through the text, I promise you I'll make application and I'll show you how this applies to us. So let's jump into this, and let me ask you try to get yourself together, whether you got coffee or not, or whatever you drink, Mountain Dew, whatever. Grab your Bible, sit down, get ready, and hold on. Now, in the first three verses, the prophetic messenger is, or the prophetic message is revealed to Daniel. Look in the first three verses. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. And the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing, and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, in the third year of Cyrus, that gives us the date of around 536 B.C. It's approximately four years after chapter number 9. Israel has been given permission to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. Notice that Daniel was fasting and praying for 21 days. Do you know in the Bible there are 64 records of fasting? There's 43 in the Old Testament, 21 in the New Testament. And people fasted for various reasons. There were different fasts, and there were different circumstances that brought fasts on. Now, most likely, the Bible says that Daniel was mourning. Uh, he was fasting over the condition of Israel. He was in mourning over their condition. Many of the Israelites had become comfortable in captivity, and they refused to go back to their homeland, the promised land, the land that God had given them and told them that was theirs, they found it comfortable in captivity. They didn't want to go and return to Jerusalem. Historians tell us less than 50,000 Jews, out of all the Jews, volunteered to return to Jerusalem. And many of those returning, they had taken pagan practices with them. Uh, they, it had been, they weren't working very hard. They had they had the decree to go back and rebuild the temple. Uh, God had told them to do it. Uh, the king had permitted them to do it. But after two years, they had barely a foundation of the temple. They were not really concerned with spiritual things. And so most likely, Daniel is mourning the spiritual condition of God's people. Little did he know that there's a great battle that was trying to keep the people from moving back to God. Notice in verses 4 through 9, we have the visitation of God's messenger. Verse 4, And in the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, I was the, by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel, which is the Tigris River. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man, clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz, his body also was like the barrel, his face as the appearance of lightning, his eyes as lamps of fire, his arms and his feet as like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, 
but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. So God sends his messenger to Daniel. Daniel was by the Tigris River. Why the Tigris River? Well, the Tigris is mentioned here and in Genesis. In Genesis, it was in Eden, which was a place of peace, a place of tranquility, a place of beauty. Here, now, it is the place where Alexander the Great will conquer the last Persian kings, which is now a place of war. Daniel sees an angel. Now, many people believe that this angel is a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. And the reason they think that is because the description given here matches the description given of Jesus, or closely similar to the description given to Jesus in Revelation. However, I do not believe that this is Jesus. And the reason I don't is in just a few moments you'll find out that he is held up for 21 days by a demonic angel in a battle, this spiritual unseen battle. And no one is powerful enough to hold Jesus up. So that being said, I do not believe it's Jesus. I believe it's the angel Gabriel. Why Gabriel? Well, Gabriel had already appeared to him in chapters eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 15. And so it stands to reason that he could come again and be the messenger of God for this instance. Now, some also believe that the man that described is Jesus, but with him is the angel. And somehow Jesus appears to him and then sends the angel to him. Um, I tend to believe that it's not Jesus. I tend to believe it's just the angel. I cannot be dogmatic about it, nor can anyone else be dogmatic about it. But I wanted to just give you that information. At any rate, he sees this angel and it, it, it zaps him. It literally takes um, everything out of him. He passes out. Now this shows us the importance of the message. You know, many people talk so flippantly about God, so flippantly about his uh, Jesus, and so flippantly about his message and his, his work and his glory. But if you even understood that when a messenger, an angel of God came, it was so overwhelming that uh, it literally zapped the one who received that vision. It literally takes all of his strength away from him. In chapter 10, now it's going to get good, hang with me here. In chapter, or, or verse number 10, he is going to strengthen Daniel. Notice the strengthening of Daniel. And behold, a hand touched me, which sat upon my knees, and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent and when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Now, I want you to see this. First of all, there's three things that happened. First of all, the, Dan the angel touched Daniel. It was a physical touch. He did not harm him. It was a physical touch that enabled him to stand. Secondly, he praised him verbally. A man greatly beloved in verse 11. It's important. 
God is bringing this vision to Daniel, and the angel informs him that this visitation is because he is greatly beloved, not because he is a wretched sinner. We know that he is a wretched sinner, but he's a, great, a man greatly beloved. Thirdly, he verbally informed him, I am come for thy words. The angel tells Daniel, the very first day you began to pray and fast, we heard you. And the angel says, I came to you to give you the word. This should show us that the word of God is so important. It's pre, I mean, it's, it takes priority over everything. The Word of God and the understanding of the Word of God. I'm going to continue to say that. Guys, listen to me. You've got to get over seeing the Bible as an obligation, but seeing the Bible as a matter of survival. Now, notice what happens here. There is a spiritual battle. He says, I started to come when you first started praying. Twenty days before the angel comes, Daniel had begun to pray. Now, notice with me what he says here. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. In verse 13, we are told of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, this is not a mere mortal man. This is a demonic angel, angelic being. Mortal humans are no match for spiritual beings. In other words, if this was just a mortal man, the angel would have had no problem with him. But we are told that for 21 days, he is hindered by this demonic being. And there is this battle that is waging that Daniel has no idea about. 21 days, he has no clue about it. As a matter of fact, the battle rages so much that we know that Gabriel was hindered for 21 days and he calls Michael the archangel and Michael comes and began, takes up the battle so it frees Gabriel so he can go to Daniel. Now this is not the first time that we see in the scriptures that Michael contended with the devil or one of his uh, demonic beings. In Jude verse 9, we read that Michael contended with the devil over Moses' body. But he did so with the respect for authority and ultimately turned over to the Lord to rebuke Satan. I've heard preachers say, if I saw the devil, the old slew foot, I'd walk over there and put my uh, foot on his throat and I would stand him down and I would tell him what for. And I would tell you if you ever were in the presence of true evil, the devil, you would wet your pants. You would be a wreck. You would be afraid. Listen, the Bible teaches that we're not in a battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. Now, I, I want to show you something before I go on. Notice this. He says, the king of Persia, now in verse 14, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Listen, there is an unseen battle going on right now. In our text, it was over the message of God for Israel. Why was the prince of Persia, this demonic being, trying to stop Gabriel from coming to Daniel? Because he did not want him to take the message that God had given him to Daniel and make him understand it. What that tells me is the importance of the understanding of God's word. We have, and I'm telling you, 
this is one good thing that's come out of the corona. One of the good things that's come out of this is the dog and the pony show at church has gone away. The, the program-driven, entertainment-driven stuff is going away. It's just not going to happen. What's going to stand is the Word of God. The, the flower fadeth, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. The reason that the prince of Persia, this demonic being, was hindering Gabriel was because Gabriel had come to make Daniel understand the Word of God. And the devil doesn't want us to understand the Word of God. He has convinced so many people that you can't understand this book. He has convinced so many people that you can't understand it. Listen, you have the promise of the Scriptures that you can understand this book. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit that those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, we have the promise that the Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. So, this, this war is going on. And let me just tell you this. This war is not just over the nation of Israel. This war is over us. This war is over our homes. This war is over our church. And I'll talk more about this in a minute if you'll just hang with me. But I need to work through the text. When we come to verse 14, this is the key to understanding this passage. The angel says, I come to make you understand. What they needed and what we need is to understand the word of the Lord. Now, the angel points out three things about his message. First of all, this prophecy is for Israel. Secondly, it pertains in the last days. And lastly, it pertains to their future. So it's important. And Daniel, after hearing this, he could not speak. Notice in verse 14. Now I come to make thee understand what shall befall thee by people in the latter days, for the vision is many days. Look at verse 15. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. So what does the angel do? And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision of my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? How can I, the servant of the Lord, talk with you? For as for me, straightway there remained no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. The angel touches the lips of Daniel, and then Daniel says that without help, I can't do it. Without your help, I can't even speak. The angel touches Daniel again and strengthens him and tells him he must return to the fight against the prince of Persia because after the prince of Persia comes the prince of Greece, which pretty much tells us that there are multiple demonic forces waging war. Notice with me, verse 19, And said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, and be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let the Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. 
There are multiple forces raging. There was a demon, a demonic force assigned to Persia and its, its, its governmental leadership. There was one assigned to um, Greece and the coming kingdom of Greece. And let me tell you, there's one, I believe, assigned to the United States of America. There's one assigned. You see, the devil is not omnipresent. The devil cannot be everywhere at the same time. But he has demonic angels that can. And their job is to destroy you, to distract you, to discourage you, to defeat you. There's nothing good in them. And Daniel reveals this to us. Now notice the scripture of truth, verse 21. I'm going to get into this more depth in just a minute. Hang with me. I'm going to get to our application. Notice in verses 20 and 21. Then he said, Knowest thou where I come unto thee? Now I'll return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I'm gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth me holdeth me with me in these things but Michael, your prince. There's a mouthful there. The angel tells Daniel that he will show him the truth of the scripture. The emphasis is on the truth of the scripture. And he reveals one more thing. Michael is your prince. Michael is assigned to you, Daniel. He is assigned to fight that battle on behalf of you. So that's great. That's fantastic. Daniel and all that, that's wonderful. But how does that apply to us? I'm glad you asked that. We too are in an unseen spiritual battle. And nobody wants to talk about it because we're afraid that people will think we're weird or out there. But I want to tell you it's real. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 tells us, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, the, the, there's nothing good in the devil. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but to, for to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. I believe there's a spiritual unseen battle over you, over your family, over our church. There are demonic angels dispatched to discourage, destroy, and to, to get us off course. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that, that's your prerogative. But let me ask you a question. How many times have you gotten up on a Sunday morning and everything happens on Sunday morning? How many times have you gotten up and, and it could have happened all week, but it happened on a Sunday morning? That's not the first time I shot that slingshot. Why did it happen on a Wednesday two hours before I went on to do the broadcast? There is a spiritual battle. It's waging. And let me tell you something. We Christians better become aware of this. This is important. We better become aware of this. We better quit trying to entertain people and quit trying to uh, pad our offerings and, and fill our pews. We better start teaching the Word of God and how to stand in these days and these attacks when they come. So I believe that this unseen battle is going on. This unseen battle that you can't see, the devil wants to destroy your home. He wants to pit husbands against wives. He wants you to see that he wants to convince you that your life would be better if you follow his path than your life would be if you follow God's path. 
And we're so narcissistic today that we do everything for our own pleasure, our own good, what we want to do. And it's trickled down into the church. So what do we do? Well, I think the Bible gives us a great, a great battle plan in the Scriptures. First of all, Ephesians chapter 6, I, I think, teaches us that we need to understand spiritual warfare, where warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. Listen to this again. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me, let me say it to you this way. Listen closely. Because we become familiar with passages and we don't let them sink in. We don't let them make a difference in our life. Listen to this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen to me. It's plural. All these are plural. Evil spirits in heavenly places. Mighty powers, principalities, spiritual wickednesses. It's all plural. It's more than one. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time like God can, like Jesus can. But he does have an army of demonic angels that he dispatches to hinder us. You know, the Bible teaches us, and many people envision Satan as this person with a goatee and real eerie, evil-looking face and a pitchfork and, you know, so on and so forth. But the Bible teaches us that he, tra he can transform himself into an angel of light. An angel of light. Now, you know, people even, and I'm going to throw this in, you, you've got these television programs where you've got these people consulting mediums to talk to dead loved ones. Listen, I, I, I know what, I, I understand what it's like to lose someone you love. I lost my mother many years ago, far too early age, 52 years old. But I believe the promises of the Bible. I don't go consult some medium to talk to her. Why? Because I tell you this demonic army, um, and I'm not saying you go to this medium and they might be talking to someone, but it's not your loved one. Because the, the Bible teaches there's a great gulf between us. And we don't communicate with people from heaven. But the Bible does teach that these demonic forces can take on the, uh, the appearance of light. They could easily take on the appearance of your loved one. And you could be talking with a demonic force and you say, Oh, preacher, is that, that's not really true. That is true. Read the Bible. That's why we were warned to stay away from that garbage. Stay away from it. The Bible teaches us that we are in a spiritual warfare. It's an all-out battle. And uh, a lot of people say, well, <clears throat> what do we do? Well, you understand that, first of all. Number two, you understand that we have weapons. We have weapons. God has given us weapons that we can battle. I don't know about you, but if I were going to, to go into war... I was in the Army, National Guard, and we go out on uh, training. I wasn't going to go out on training without a weapon. There are weapons. Notice in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, 
We do not war after the flesh. This battle is spiritually, a spiritual battle. It's not a fleshly battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice the attacks center on our minds. Why does it center on our mind? Because if you're a Christian, your heart belongs to Christ. And the devil can't touch it. You cannot be saved and be demon-possessed. You cannot. It's not possible. But he can corrupt your mind. He can deceive your mind. And in your mind is the battleground of Satan. Listen. He's writing this in Ephesians to believers, not unbelievers. So he's writing to believers and he tells them that Satan's after your mind because he can't have your heart. But if he can get your mind, then he can get your body, he can get you to do things that you would not normally do. Long before you step out and do something in sin, you have the thought. And unless you take that, cap, that thought captive unto the obedience of Jesus Christ, you'll follow that path and you'll step out into sin. So what's our battle plan? What's our battle plan? Well, notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, through 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. The first thing you do, the first part of our battle plan, is you put on the whole armor of God. You put it on. Why? You're going. The armor of God is going to protect every vital area of your body. When you put on that helmet of salvation, he can't get to your mind. He can't get to your mind. Listen, when the devil comes along to you and says he's tempting you that you'd be better off over here in the world doing this, don't listen to him. It's a lie. He is a liar. There is no light in him at all. He is total darkness. He seeks to corrupt your mind. If you know that and you put on the whole armor of God, you'll be protected against those attacks of the devil. Practically speaking, when they come, the first thing you do is you bring your thoughts under obedience. You take them captive. You go back to the, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? So you put on the whole armor of God. It, it's all laid out there for you. You put it on. You have your loins girt about with truth. You have on the breastplate of righteousness. You have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. You take the shield of faith. 
Faith is what protects you. Faith in the Word of God. That's the shield. When the attacks come, your faith, you believe that what God's Word said is going to happen and you're obedient to it. You have on the helmet of salvation. Now notice the offensive weapons. Number two, you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now listen to me. Every broadcast, I encourage you, I try to encourage you, be in the Word of God, be in the Word of God, be in the Word of God. If Satan can convince you that you don't need the Word of God, you won't be in it. If Satan can convince you that you can't understand it, you won't be in the Word of God. But I am here to tell you, that is the tactic of the devil to keep you from being in the Word of God, reading the Word of God. Do you know that this is an offensive weapon? A soldier back then had a sword. What was the sword for? Well, the sword wasn't to protect himself. The sword was to, to fight, to be on the offense, to, to hit the enemy, to attack the enemy. And that's what the Word of God does. When those thoughts come, how are you going to attack the enemy? How are you going to fight back? You're going to fight back with the Word of God. What happened to Jesus when he was in the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil? All three times he was tempted, he combated the temptation with the Word of God. But we're too busy to be in the Word of God, yet we can spend eight hours a day on, on uh, Facebook. We can spend hours watching a football game. We can spend mind-numbing time, amounts of time watching the news. Yet we don't have any time to read the Word of God. No wonder we're in trouble today. We're in trouble because he told us. Remember in Daniel, the last verse of chapter 10, he came to make him understand, and he said, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. What was the big revelation to Daniel? It was the truth of scripture. What's the big revelation to you? The truth of scripture. But we hear it and we think, oh, it's another obligation. Listen, it's not a matter of obligation. It's a matter of survival. Don't we teach the kids in Awana that I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God? That I hide my words, his words in my heart that I might not sin against God? We teach that over and over and over to kids in Awana. But the adults are so aloof to it. They could care less. They want to do other things. And then... They almost want to blame God. Well, I can't understand His Word and blah, blah, blah. No, just be honest. You're lazy and you got other, other interests. Just, just tell God the truth at least. You don't care. You're more concerned with the things of the world. You don't even want to recognize an unseen battle going on. And the reason you're struggling in your home, the reason you're struggling with your kids, the reason you're struggling with your marriage, the reason you're struggling at work, the reason you're struggling everywhere is because you don't have time for scriptures. You cannot fight the warfare without the Word of God. Secondly, or thirdly, I should say, praying always. Praying always. Notice what it says in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying always with prayer and supplication. Always. If Satan can convince you that your prayers do not matter, you won't pray. 
If Satan can convince you that God won't give you what you want, you won't pray. There are many people out there that won't pray because they prayed a prayer to God and they told God what they wanted God to do and God answered the prayer the way he wanted to do and he's sovereign, not you, and you're mad at God because he didn't give you what you wanted. You're just acting like a spoiled brat. And you need to confess and repent of that and you need to get back to praying. These are not mundane, obligatory things that the Christian does. This is a matter of survival. Put on that, that, uh, the whole armor of God. Get on your knees with the Word of God open and get powered up and fight back. Stop. Stop being uh, a Christian coward. Stop giving in to the devil. Following his agenda. Listen to me. Reading your Bible and praying are not just a matter of obligation. They are a matter of survival. Life and death. Part of the battle is to tempt you, from, to keep you from reading the Bible, from obeying the Scriptures, and to keep you from praying. Why would he do that? Because the devil knows that these are offensive weapons. He absolutely knows that these are the offensive weapons and that, my friends, is what he's afraid of. You show me someone who's in the Word of God. You show me someone that has a thriving prayer life, and I'll show you someone who fights a great fight. Charles Stanley said, You stand tallest when you're on your knees. Church, that's what we need to do. We need to surrender ourselves anew to be in the Scriptures and spend time with God in prayer, to fight a good fight. Paul told Timothy, fight a good fight. Don't give up. Don't give in. Stand in the power of his might. Listen, you get the sword of the Spirit and you fight on your knees and you cannot lose. You cannot lose. But I remind you, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to show everyone that you're not a Christian, that you're just somebody who's <clears throat> controlled by the flesh, that doesn't believe in the promises of God. And he's, he don't even have to, to tempt you anymore because you don't even care. You just follow the path of the devil and you don't have any spiritual backbone about you. But I tell you what, today you can show him, I'm going to fight back. Today you can surrender yourself anew to putting on the whole armor of God, to taking the sword of the Spirit and to to getting on your knees in prayer, praying always. And you can start right now. Listen, you got all the time in the world. People are lamenting about sports being shut down, and people are lamenting about all these things that we can't do that we wanted to do. Listen, we should have been lamenting about our spiritual condition. We should have been lamenting that all these things have taken priority over the main thing. Our families are a wreck. The United States is a wreck. And we, we care more about a stupid football team than we do our family. And we care more about a football team than our friend that's dying and going to hell. And you tell me there's no spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle. And the way we fight is the way God told us. We fight with the Word of God. We fight with the whole armor on. And we fight in prayer. Friend, if you're watching this broadcast and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that there's a, a literal hell 
And people go there because they reject the free gift of salvation of Jesus. Jesus, they, This was not prepared for humans. This was prepared for the devil and his angels. But as a result, those who reject the free gift of salvation, they go there. And I want to tell you this. Jesus loves you so much, and he knows everything about you. He was willing to die on the cross for you and take all of your sins. He was willing to pay a price that you could not pay so that you could have his righteousness, so that you could have an eternal home with him, and you would never have to face hell. I tell you this morning, I tell you this morning, you have to understand that everyone has sinned. And the reason, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us is a sinner because we were born with a sin nature. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered to the world, and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. When Adam sinned and take, took that forbidden fruit, everyone born after him was born in the image of Adam with a fallen nature. That's why we don't have to teach our kids how to lie and how to do wrong. They know. It's their nature. But the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That you, you and I have to die. Someone has to die for your sin and my sin. And that's not only just talking about a physical death, that's talking about a spiritual death, which is cast into the lake of fire. But the Bible teaches us that God commendeth, that word commendeth means demonstrated, His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died on the cross to take our sin, the, my sin, everything I would ever do, He knew. Every thought I would ever have, every action I would ever do, He knew it. And He took it upon Himself and died on the cross. And the Bible clearly teaches that for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you understand that you're a sinner and the penalty for your sin is death, <clears throat> but you believe that Jesus died in your place and you're willing to surrender your life to Him, to believe in Him, believe that Jesus died for you and your sins, and you're willing to turn to Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to be your Savior, you can be saved. I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you are sincere and you mean it, God will save you. You can pray like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve to die. But I believe you died in my place. I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm believing in you, Jesus, and that you died for my sin, and that you were buried and you arose from the grave. I'm believing in you to take me to heaven. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, and you meant, I believe you were saved. I believe you're saved. Now, if you, if you prayed that prayer, I would like to ask you to send me a private Facebook message or if you would, send me a letter. Uh, our address is Shawnee Hills Baptist Church, 74 Hinkley Hollow Road, Portsmouth, Ohio, 45662. It's, if you go back on our page before this broadcast, I posted our address. 
There's also a link there to give. Some of you have asked me in a private message, how can we give to the church? You can give online. It's a secure online giving. Um, I, I thank you, church. I love you. Thank you for your patience. Um, if you did pray that prayer and you are saved, if you would let me know, I would love to help you. You can call me. My number is 740-352-9091. I would love to hear from you. We've had one uh, lady come to Christ as a result of our broadcasts. And uh, we just want to stay in touch with you. Make sure you've got a copy of the scriptures. Make sure that you have a, uh, you're rooted and grounded wherever you are. We have friends from West Virginia watching. We have friends from Ohio and various places watching. And we, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will be back Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock, for our Bible study. Um, again, I thank you all so much. And if we can ever help you, please give me a call. Shoot me a text. Shoot me a message. We love you. And listen. Fight a good fight. Don't give up. Stay, stay faithful. Get in the Word of God. Get on your knees in prayer. Fight a good fight. You'll be glad you did. God bless you and have a great week.